Thank you for joining IRW Coffee Break. This is a podcast series hosted by KPMG IRW specialists within the Washington National Tax Practice to discuss current topics in the field of information reporting and withholding. Every episode will discuss a discrete area of interest in a brief segment. So we invite you to grab a cup of coffee or just get comfortable while we explore all things IRW. Hi, I'm Danielle Nishida, and I'm joined by Laurie Hatton Boyd. Today, we're discussing the changes to the draft form 1042S for 2023. A new round of 1446F compliance is scheduled to go into effect starting in January 2023 with withholding on transfers of publicly traded partnership interests commencing and the residual withholding by partnerships of non-PTP interests going into effect. The Form 1042-S will be used to report distributions of ECI from PTPs and amounts realized on certain transfers of PTP interests. Consequently, we're seeing updates being made to the 2023 Form 1042-S to accommodate this additional reporting. Now, as a reminder, the reporting for transfers of non-PTP interests will be done on Forms 8804 and 8805, not the Form 1042-S. So we're not seeing any changes on this form related to non-PTP interests. The proposed updates to the Form 1042-S include the addition of new income and status codes, as well as additional instructions specific to Sections 1446 ANF reporting. We did see some codes introduced in the 2022 version of the 1042-S, but the IRS has added a few more this year. Lori, to get us started, do you want to talk about the updates to the income codes? Sure. So what would be new Forms 1042-S without new codes, right? So as you indicated, we, we did have prior new codes. That was income code 27, and that related to the partnership distribution that was subject to the withholding under 1446A, so either 21% or 37%, depending on the partner status, as well as income code 57, and that was added in 2022, and that is the income code that you will use to report the amount realized that's associated with the new 1446F withholding on the publicly traded partnership interests. So the Draft 2023 instructions includes a new income code, and that will be code 58. And that's going to be used by nominees when the PTP did not issue a qualified notice. So they're not sure of the makeup of a distribution. So then under the presumption rules, they will treat the entire distribution as subject to 1446A withholding. So again, the 21% or the 37%. And again, that will be reported using income code 58. So that will be the indicator to the IRS that there was no qualified notice. And so that withholding was under the presumption rule. And I think it's also important to note that the instructions make clear that when those income codes are used, so 27, 57, or 58, that the PTP needs to be listed in the payor line. So this means there's actually going to be more Form 1042 as potentially with respect to a single partnership distribution. And again, That's because if a person is invested into multiple publicly traded partnerships where you could normally combine that by income code and rate, here it's going to have to be separated out by the the specific publicly traded partnership that made that particular distribution. And I think we've talked about this before with the pooled reporting for qualified intermediaries. This means that those pools are going to be broken out by PTP, which means you lose a little bit of that benefit on the pool reporting. But one thing that became clear in the instructions is the portion of the distribution that is subject to Chapter 3 or 4, the normal pooling for a qualified intermediary will apply, meaning they don't have to break that portion out 
by PTP. So it's really just limited to pools using those three codes again, the 27, the 57, or the 58. And then just finally, the instructions clarify that a nominee is a U.S. person, a U.S. branch of a foreign person, or uh, a qualified intermediary that's holding that publicly traded partnership interest on behalf of a non-U.S. person. And then we also saw updates to the Chapter 3 status codes. As a reminder, this Chapter 3 status code 38 was added to the Form 1042-S in 2022, and that applied to payments to or from a publicly traded partnership that's making a distribution. This year, they've added code 39 for disclosing QIs. And as a reminder, a disclosing QI is a QI that has decided to pass up its account holder information to the upstream broker, publicly traded partnership, or nominee so that that upstream broker can do the reporting directly through. And hopefully, the QI doesn't need to do its own reporting in that case. So for a disclosing QI, the broker, the publicly traded partnership, or the nominee and I'm just going to, going forward, just call this a broker to make it easier. That upstream broker will identify the account holders of the disclosing QIs as the recipients in line 13, and then will enter the details for the disclosing QI in the intermediary fields in lines 15. This reporting is similar to the reporting done under Chapter 3 for account holders of an NQI, which makes sense because this disclosing QI is basically a QI that is acting as an NQI and passing everything upstream. They also clarify for that chains of disclosing QIs, it's the last disclosing QI in the chain, meaning the one closest to the ultimate partner that should be reported. The draft instructions also require a broker making a payment of an amount realized or a PTP distribution to a disclosing QI to provide a recipient copy to the disclosing QI, in addition to the copy issued to the account holders of that QI. And so there's going to be two 1042Ss going out, one to the account holder and one to the disclosing QI. They also require that additional copy to be issued in the case of an NQI that is electing to pass up account holder information. And as a reminder here, that NQI is going to be withheld upon at the maximum 10% on the amount realized. But for reporting purposes, that NQI can pass up its account holder information so that the broker can report directly to those account holders. And the reason for this duplicative copy going to the disclosing QI or to the NQI seems to be to provide that disclosing QI or NQI with the information about whether the proper reporting has been done. Because as a reminder, the disclosing QI is only allowed to be a disclosing QI to the extent that it has passed up valid documentation with all of the TIN information for its account holders. And so if for some reason that upstream broker determines that the documentation passed up is not valid, that disclosing QI really can't function as a disclosing QI. And so it would then have the reporting obligation. And it may not be in a position to know that unless it gets a copy of the 1042S. And so if it's being given that copy of the 1042S, it'll know whether that 1042S is issued directly to the account holders, in which case it has no reporting obligation, or whether that 1042S is being issued directly to the disclosing QI in the recipient field, in which case it'll know that it now has to step in and do the reporting for its own account holders. Similarly, for the NQI that's passing up information, and that copy of the 1042S will give the NQI the information it needs in order to determine whether it has to do any reporting. And one other thing we had in the instructions is removal of the Chapter 3 status codes for territory FIs. So the draft instruction had removed the Chapter 3 codes for territories FI for both 
three and four, and the chapter three exemption code for payments to territory FIs treated as U.S. persons is code nine. So now the instructions instruct the territory FIs to use the chapter three code for the U.S. branch, but then to continue to use the chapter four code for territory FIs. There's no explanation as to why this change. Maybe they're running out of space for codes. I, I don't know. There's just no no rationale for the code change. And they've done that recently with the withholding agent fields because uh, they removed codes one and two, which were the U.S. withholding agent fields. But they right. did not in order to gain additional information. So instead of someone selecting with U.S. withholding agent, they would actually have to identify their particular Chapter 3 status, for example, whether they're a partnership or a corporation. And then they kept the U.S. withholding agent fields in the Chapter 4 codes. So they weren't losing any information. And that made sense because they were gaining something by this. Yep, exactly. Here, it doesn't make any sense. I can't see how they're gaining anything. So my guess is it had to be that they were, felt they were just running out of space on the back of that 1042S. Yeah, it sure makes it difficult, though, for, because for people coding, you know, any of these changes, as simple as they seem to the IRS, can require some pretty significant changes to, to systems. So Yeah, and it's also just counterintuitive. So you're going to be reporting for Chapter 3 as a U.S. branch, but you're going to continue to report for Chapter 4 as a territory FI. It's just a confusing process. Right, and especially in light of the fact that entities in the territories are non-U.S. persons. So yeah, it, it is a bit of an anomaly. It'll be interesting to see what the government says about the reasons for this. And then there were also some welcome changes that they made with respect to U.S. persons that were overwithheld upon for 1446 purposes. So consistent with the 1446F regulations, the draft instructions allow PTPs and their nominees to use the reimbursement and set-off procedures for any amounts overwithheld for purposes of 1446A or 1446F. The draft instructions also clarify that a Form 1042-S may be used when withholding has been done under 1446-A or F on a partner that is actually a U.S. person. So basically, when that person has been improperly withheld upon, that person needs a form in order to get a credit on its own return. And there was a question previously about whether the proper form should be a 1099 or a 1042-S, because the instructions tell you not to issue a 1042-S to a U.S. person. On the other hand, the Form 1099 didn't have the appropriate fields to reflect this withholding for 1446A or for 1446F purposes. Additionally, the deposits for those amounts would have been done on their Chapter 3 accounts. And so in order to use a 1099, that withholding agent or broker would have to actually go in and call the IRS and have the money transferred. And that's just not a feasible thing to be doing when this may be occurring often. So the decision to allow the issuance of the 1042Ss to U.S. persons is a positive one. It's the form that makes the most sense. But the one thing we should caution you about is that we're not seeing anything that provides relief from 1099 reporting when that 1042S has been issued to the U.S. person, meaning that you may still have to issue a 1099 and a 1042S to that U.S. partner. And that does make sense because even though it's going to be burdensome to brokers, the IRS relies on those forms 1099 for purposes of determining taxpayers' income, and they have systems that are relying on those forms and are processing those forms. So they're not going to want to give that up. At the same time, the 1042S is really the more appropriate form for purposes of reflecting that over withholding so that they can get a credit or a refund. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. Interestingly, there was a lot of industry comment about 
this issue and requesting that they be allowed to report the income field on the 1042S as zero. And I think the reason for that, most of that was coming from qualified intermediaries where the IRS is so focused on the reconciliation of the income reported to the QI with that that it in turn reports. And the IRS hates these variance explanations. And here we're always going to have a variance explanation now because they've had to report it on the 1042S and the 1099B when it was only reported once into the QI. That comment was not accepted. The instructions still make clear that you do not enter a zero in the income field. So I don't know if that was because they really didn't want to make that change or if the comments came in too late. I'm not sure. But it does look like they are going to have that reconciliation issue in this area. And then the other thing that's a little interesting is they've made it clear that for 1446F over withholding, you can issue a 1042S to a U.S. person. It's curious that they didn't just say that across the board, because we still have this issue in Chapter 3 and Chapter 4 withholding, where you withhold on someone presuming they're a non-U.S. person, and then it turns out that they later get documented as a U.S. person. It's the same problem where you're going to have to transfer the deposit from the Chapter 3 and Chapter 4 account at the IRS over to the 945 account. And you still don't have the proper fields to reflect the withholding properly on the 1099. And so the thing that doesn't make sense to me is if you're going there with the 1446F and A over withholding, why not go there for Chapter 3 and 4 as well? But maybe they're just waiting to see how it works out with 1446F, and maybe that's a change that we can see in the future. I will say it seems like they're really just focused on 1446 changes in this latest round. One final thing that I want to point out is that the instructions have a caution that further updates or or changes for QI reporting might actually be included in that final QI agreement that we're still expecting. So people that are looking at these instructions need to make sure to follow up with that agreement once it's finalized to make sure there, there aren't any changes from what we're seeing in these draft instructions. And an interesting thing, unless I'm reading too far into this, is that warning was also included under the definition of a qualified derivatives dealer which might be a signal that we're also going to be seeing changes with respect to QDD reporting. And that's not really going to be welcome news to anyone. But we're going to have to wait for that QI agreement to see what those changes are going to be. With that, I think that wraps up our segment today. Thanks so much for joining us for IRW Coffee Break. We'll see you next time.